Bond yields are rising again right across the world, including sharp rises overnight in British gilts and Italian bonds. On all the talk of higher for longer interest rates, and worries about growing budget deficits. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our bonus deep dive interview, we hear about the warmth returning to New Zealand's housing market just weeks before an election, and thanks in part to record high net migration. All those people need a place to live, either in a home that they buy themselves or somewhere that they rent from someone else. So that's putting upwards pressure on the housing market. But first, in 5 and 5 with ANZ. Number one, there was a sharp sell-off overnight in European bond markets, led by Italy, where the government has increased its deficit and borrowing forecasts. Italian 10-year bond yields rose 17 basis points to 4.96%. That's a new 10-year high. That then spread to British gilt yields, which rose 20 basis points to 4.57%. However, US 10-year Treasury yields, they wobbled around. They were solid around 4.62% at 5 o'clock Australian time. That's near its 16-year highs. Number two. And some welcome news for those worried about fuel price inflation. Oil prices have come off their highs overnight, dropping around 2%. Brent was down to $94 a barrel, and West Texas Intermediate down below $92 US a barrel. Some good inflation news too from Germany, where prices rose 4.3% from a year ago. That's down from an annual rate of 6.4% in August. That was the lowest inflation rate for Germany since before Russia invaded Ukraine. Number three, markets are on edge somewhat in the United States, going into the end of the week with the prospect of a US government shutdown and an ongoing strike by car workers hanging over investors. Stocks wobbled, but they were up around... 0.5% in late trade. Number four, Australian consumers are really struggling with these rate hikes. Retail sales grew a very modest 0.2% in August. ANZ Economist for Australia, Maddie Dunk, explains why. I think you could characterise the current um, spending situation at the moment as being pretty sluggish. People are very conscious about how they spend their money and are looking for ways to get the best bang for their buck right now. And fashion retailing rose 1.3%. And the ABS noted that it was particularly strong as people were going out and buying summer outfits, given that we've had this warmer weather earlier than usual in the year. Number five, Australia's labour market is also cooling. Maddie spoke to us about job vacancy rates, which fell markedly in August. So we saw that job vacancies declined 8.9% in the August quarter. But I think it's important to also look at the levels and we can see that the levels are still very high. So 71.5% higher than before the pandemic. And when you put that in numbers, that's 160,000 more job vacancies than there were before the pandemic. So I think There are signs that slack is creeping into the labour market and this gradual decline in job vacancies shows us that. But things are still really quite tight and the elevated level of job vacancies just reaffirms that. ANZ economist Maddie Dunk there. Now it's time for our bonus deep dive interview, this time on New Zealand's housing market, which is heating up again. Here's ANZ economist in New Zealand, Andre Castain. 
The warmth in the New Zealand housing market's been driven by two things. First, it's been driven by a re-entrance of first home buyers into the market. There are a lot of first home buyers who, over the last couple of years, haven't got in as house prices have fallen. What we're seeing now is first home buyers who have built up a deposit over that time and have strong uh, income growth are getting in, buyers that are income rich but historically were asset poor. Those buyers are now getting in now that house prices have fallen over 14%, um, they're 14% below where they were. The second thing we're seeing is migration. New Zealand has had close to 100,000 new net migrants come in over the last year. That's a population uh, larger than the city of Nelson. All those people need a place to live, either in a home that they buy themselves or somewhere that they rent from someone else. So that's putting upwards pressure on the housing market. We've seen it in the last couple of months of data, and we expect that strength to continue over the back half of this year. We're expecting house prices to rise 4% over the second half of this year. And what implications do you think this has for the Reserve Bank? The Reserve Bank is going to keep a watchful eye on the housing market. They're going to be looking for any strength that that causes throughout broader domestic spending. That strength can occur in two main ways. It can either occur because people who have just bought a home now need to go and buy a dishwasher or a fridge or something like that, which they put in that house and all that spending flows through the rest of the economy, contributing to inflation. The second way is through construction. When house prices are strong, it adds to margins for developers, meaning that over over time they choose to build more than they otherwise would. Then building more means that they draw more resources from the economy, materials, labour, that sort of thing, putting upwards pricing pressure there, contributing to inflation over the medium term. All our sequel, if house prices rise more, the Reserve Bank needs to do more on interest rates in order to contain those inflationary pressures. In particular, that's the main reason why we're expecting over the second half of next year house price inflation to moderate again and to slow down from where it is because those interest rates need that to happen, particularly as the labour market cools. So how important um, is the housing market, not just in terms of the wealth effect, but also, as you mentioned, the number of uh, house sales, which trigger these household formation moments, the hang the drapes and buy the couch moments. Um, how how, how uh, important is it for the New Zealand economy relative to, say, other economies? On a relative basis, it tends to be a bit stronger for the New Zealand economy. That's because the, the New Zealand economy is an economy where, I guess, housing supply has been in short short supply for a very long time. So it's been a large part of our basket. It's also quite a large part of our consumer price basket relative to some other countries. And so that direct channel also feeds through a bit more there. Um, The New Zealand economy also doesn't have, in the same way other economies do, really large corporate sectors in the the same way. So you see much more transmission through the housing sector relative to the corporate sector, mainly because we're a mortgage-based economy and a banking-based economy rather than some other markets which tend to be bond-based economies or, I guess, public debt market economies. ANZ's Andre Castain there. 
I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Friday, September the 29th. Catch you next week with everything on the RBA's latest decision. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.